Welcome into episode 183 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. The Sources Say podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations. That's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now's a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at justicedental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined once again by the one and only Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I am fantastic, Jack. How are you? Oh, I am doing just well. It's been a very busy weekend. I was in uh, Indianapolis for the Nike EYBL uh, session two. You were down in Spartanburg for the 3SSB session two, uh, where we, you know, talk talk to some UK recruits, watch them. Uh, Very busy weekend. All throughout said weekend, there were pretty clear rumblings that an, a commitment was coming for the Kentucky Wildcats in, the, in this upcoming roster, the 2022-2023 roster. Uh, Friday came, Saturday came, Sunday came. No commitment comes. Uh, and then Monday, there's a little bit of drama going on behind the scenes about what's actually happening with this kid. And then less than 24, 24 hours after that, uh, Antonio Reeves is a Kentucky Wildcat, Sean. It's been a very hectic uh, recruitment. Kind of, it, it, I guess the best way to describe it is it's the most surprising yet least. Su- it's the least surprising surprise we could, we could come up with. Is that probably the best way to describe that, Sean? That is the best way to describe it. And here's how crazy it's been. So I've had this story about his commitment written for probably about eight days now, and on set, and I've been changing the day. Every in the opening, like uh, Kentucky picked up a commitment, blah, 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 on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, I woke up, changed it to Sunday. Then I changed it to Monday. Today was the first day that I didn't change it, Jack. And, of course, that's the day that it happens. And and here we are. But, no, it's, it's a big pickup, and it, it worked out in the end. I like the addition. We'll get into some of the takeaways and what he does with his game and what we like about it. But this is the first official piece via the transfer portal to this roster for 22-23. Like, it's taken a while to get to this point. They've had more guys return. They've got freshmen coming in, but this really gets it started now. I mean, when you anytime you can get a 20-point-per-game score in the portal, it's going to be a good day. He averages 20.1 points on 46.9% from the field, 39% from three, and 81.8% from the line. Also added 3.5 rebounds a game and 1.1 steals per contest. He led to Missouri Valley – uh, and, and finished top 20 in all of Division One basketball in terms of scoring. So, Sean, you're getting a dynamic scoring guard, uh, very um, advanced numbers in terms of pull-up efficiency, and it's, uh, all the advanced numbers really show that he was an advanced um, pull-up specialist, essentially, uh, at Illinois State, very efficient in that regard. Uh, but he's a three-level scorer. He's a guy that he's very confident, kind of uh, primary ball handler, but he can also play some off-ball stuff as well. A uh, really, really interesting piece. Obviously, there are the questions about how that jump from Illinois State to Kentucky is going to work, and I do think that those are some valid arguments. But uh, I don't think that he's coming in to average 20 points per game. I think this is a kid that uh, that he's coming here for a bigger spotlight, a bigger platform. He wants to come in and, and you know, just show that he can play at this level. 
you know, I, I guess in terms of production, Sean, what are you expecting from a guy like Antonio Reeves, given what the rest of the roster breakdown is currently, the guy, the returning pieces that have been announced, things that are kind of expected behind the scenes? Uh, what do you think his role is going to be on this team and just kind of what production are you expecting out of uh, the six foot six wing? Well, we all know that anytime someone comes to Kentucky, obviously their role has to change, right? Whether you're not going to take the same amount of shots that you took at the school before. So we're not going to see an Antonio Reeves like Jackie took 195 threes this last season, you know, at Illinois State. That was up from 108 the year before and 105 for his freshman season. So he his volume went up. I don't think you're going to get to that number, but to me, it's one of those things that a 20-point score at Illinois State I don't think is going to be a 20-point score at the University of Kentucky. But if you can settle in and you can get into that 11-point, 12-point range, maybe even 9-10, but then you have a game here or there where you are capable of breaking and going for 23-24, I think that's the type of piece that they're getting. But that transitions to me being about a 10-11, 12-point score, depending on his role, right? Right now, does he start? Is he a sixth man? Is he a seventh man? We don't know that role until the entire roster is put together, who else they add, and then whoever else returns. But I, I could see him being a 9-12 point score at Kentucky. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of want to get to how we got to this point. I want to kind of give a, a behind-the-scenes breakdown of uh, how we got here, The basically everything that unfolded after his official visit to Kentucky last weekend, the week after – uh, this weekend, this past weekend, where everybody just assumed a commitment was coming, and kind of the drama that happened behind the scenes in the last 24 hours, um, it, it's been hectic. And I think a lot of it has to do with the moving parts that Kentucky has had. Shaden Sharp is a name that obviously everybody's super interested in and want, wants to know what's going to happen with him. He just got announced as a draft eligible uh, early uh, entrant. He was on the official early entrant list with the NBA, which means that the NBA at least gave some semblance of a clearance for him uh, being eligible for the draft, which definitely makes things interesting and, and kind of uh, adds some clarity to just kind of his very, very hectic behind the scenes stuff that's going on with him still very chaotic and, and busy behind the scenes um, d- depending on who you talk to and what's going on on the NBA side of things the the pushback that the agents are inevitably going to have all this stuff it, that that story is still not complete even though he has been officially uh, declared at least allowed to be put on that early entrant list but I do think that does kind of tie hand in hand with uh, Antonio Reeves and just kind of the the hesitancy that he had. So everybody that that knew anything that talked to anybody uh, around the program knew that Antonio Reeves was coming to Kentucky. That after the visit, the visit went extremely well. He was on commitment watch essentially every day after uh, the week after. But then re- talk really started ramping up that Friday and Saturday. Sean, I was at UIBL and John Calipari literally left the game. He was watching a game. He left to go on a Zoom call with Antonio Reeves to accept his commitment and and welcome him, him into Big Blue Nation. Like it was a done deal. Like everything was ready to go behind the scenes. It was just waiting on Antonio to commit, Sean. Like this was uh, all the reporters that were doing the little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe we should be anticipating news. And shoot, Tom Leach even broke the news. And when does Tom Leach ever go out go out on a limb and, and break news? He was even going out there saying that uh, that a commitment was coming for Kentucky. So that was definitely something that was not a surprise for anybody on Kentucky side of things. Um, but Sean, the last twenty four hours have been very interesting with Antonio Reeves, and and I want to kind of put it out there. 
Uh, I wrote a little kind of behind the scenes piece yesterday about how it unfolded. I'm working on this uh, again today, kind of how we got to this point after the mix up and, and kind of some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes yesterday. So Sean, he was ready to go committed behind the scenes, silently committed, like ready to, to, to jump on an official announcement, getting the edits made behind the scenes, all that stuff done deal. Uh, then he has a conversation with the people close to him, his family, his dad in particular, and the question of, so I, I don't know if you saw Nigel Hay or is it uh, just Nigel Pack and Nigel Hayes is uh, Wisconsin bringing, broke my heart back in the day. Up old wounds there, huh? Yeah, picking up old wounds. Uh, Nigel Pack signs a very lucrative NIL deal with Miami, and it basically causes Reeves family to go, well, wait. I am a player of that quality. Why in the world can we not get a deal like that? How come we don't have deals set up behind the scenes and all that about, about how this is all unfolding? So uh, I think there was some kind of a brief like, okay, well, I know we're going to be able to make some money at, at Kentucky with NIL just in general, but uh, why don't we have public lucrative deals announced like Nigel Pack had? And that's kind of where that first kind of wedge happened where it kind of made him go, okay, well, maybe let's kind of just reevaluate some things and take a step back, not cut ties with Kentucky at all, but just let's kind of make us take a step back and realize, okay, may maybe we need to uh, consider all of our options again. Uh, then Oregon calls, and clearly they are willing to do anything under the sun whenever it comes to NIL, and whatever promises that uh, that, that family was looking for, the things going on behind the scenes, they were like, whatever you want, just let us know, we'll, we'll be able to make that happen. And that's where some of the buzz started going with there about, hey, we'll, we'll offer you whatever. And there were still some concerns about, OK, well, am I going to really be here, the be the star focal point wing piece on this team? Am I going to be the Kellen Grady and, you know, kind of come in, be the dynamic scoring, scoring wing, wing type guy? Or do they want me to be a sixth man or a seventh man? Am I going to be Davion Mintz or am I going to be Kellen Grady? What kind of role do they anticipate I have? You know, because he's a 20-point-per-game scorer, and clearly he's confident in, in his ability. So it just kind of made him take a step back. The Shaden Sharp thing was still up in the air, even though privately Kentucky has believed this entire time that he will probably, if he's able, if he's declared eligible, he will very likely go pro. And I think that's always been the expectation. And, and now that today's news happened, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, he popped short, shortly after. But it was definitely a combination, Sean, of – a little frustration on the NIL side of things where it's like, well, why don't I have a big, uh, you know, high profile deal set up behind the scenes while also kind of acknowledging that there are still some moving parts. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm going to be a focal point wherever I go, not necessarily even looking for, uh, you know, promise minutes, promise shots or anything like that, but just that his role is going to be a prominent one at Kentucky. And I think they just wanted to have uh, some extra conversations and, and talk things over with the Kentucky staff. Tip of the cap to John Calipari and his staff for closing this deal because Oregon was was looming. They were like vultures trying to get uh, you know get anybody they can at the last minute. Uh, they, they had to fight off some some teams late. The last twenty four hours have been hectic, but credit to the Kentucky coaching staff, Sean. They were able to land a twenty point per game score. Very very impressive piece. An immediate scoring punch. I don't know what his role is going to be exactly on this roster, but I know he's going to have a high. 
you know, he's he's going to be able to have as many opportunities as he wants to make an impact. So uh, it's been it's been a little bit hectic, and they had to kind of smooth some things. Kentucky had to smooth some things over to really seal the deal and, and get this commitment done. Uh, but uh, over the last twenty four hours, they were able to make it happen. So credit credit to the Kentucky coaching staff for doing that. Yeah, and that top five that he released just kind of solidifies that that it was done before the top five ever came out, right? Like he he announced his top five yesterday, and then less than twenty to twenty one hours later, he's a Kentucky Wildcat. So we know where his heart was initially, and everything that you're talking about here with nil possibilities and money, and kind of looking at at his value. He's six foot six. He's a bigger wing, and I think that that's a big deal with what they're doing with this class that they're bringing in. And who they're getting from the portal. Now, Xavier Wheeler, we know is five foot nine. We'll get into that in his return. But this is going to be a bigger backcourt, bigger wings, those John Calipari type guards, that six foot foot four case and Wallace size. Uh CJ Frederick at six three, six six and Reeves. Who else do they add? I like his size. I keep coming back to the term pigeonhole. And I've said this multiple times in the last few weeks that whoever Kentucky adds, if they're a three-level scorer. If they're a guy that plays well with the ball in their hands and or off the ball, don't pigeonhole them into just one role. I feel like Kellen Grady at Kentucky this past year, Jack, got pigeonholed into just being a three-point shooter when there were other things to his game that made him a really good player at Davidson. I hope that Reeves is allowed to do some of those things that he, that he did at Illinois State that got to him got, got him to be a three-level scorer, that mid-range pull-up and, and things like that. I'm hoping that Cal and the staff allows him to be who he is now, does that mean less volume when it comes to number of shots? Probably, but you're still allowing that player to be who they were at their best. And I think it could help Kentucky if they let them do those things. Yeah, you, you bring up a great point. Yeah, I just pulled up this uh, newsletter from from Hoops Insider guy, Sean Vinsel. Awesome, awesome dude. Brilliant basketball mind. Uh, he First thing he says about Antonio Reeves, an excellent scorer off the dribble, uh, 54.5% effective field goal percentage uh, while using 28.6% of, of uh, Illinois State's possessions. And he said the only Calipari players that have put up that level of efficiency and activity are Malik Monk and Jamal Murray. Uh, he rated as an excellent uh, ISO player and as a pick-and-roll ball handler. So uh, – it's not just a catch and shoot role that he's going to have. And, and, you know, I think that's something that was a, a little bit of frustration talking to people behind the scenes uh, elsewhere, just outside of the Kentucky basketball program uh, about how Kellen Grady was used, that they kind of felt that uh, he, he kind of got shoved in a corner and said, you know, be, be our catch and shoot specialist when that was kind of not really what he brought to the table uh, it, at Davidson, that he was definitely kind of a, an initiator and, and a facilitator at times. I mean, he played point guard. He was kind of a, a, a makeshift point guard at times. So I think that's kind of something that we need to keep an eye on and, and really hope that they, I mean, he's very effective as a kind of initiator and, and you know, dribble drive specialist. It, it, it feels like a perfect system for a guy like Antonio Reeves being here at Kentucky. Now we just got to make sure that he's, he's used on that stuff. So uh, I, I, I'm, couldn't be a bigger fan of this move. I was a little cautious yesterday that, you know, there was talk about him being worried about role and kind of just focusing on, on shots and minutes and all that stuff. But uh, more conversations I had today 
uh, made me just think that it, it it wasn't even necessarily like he was looking for a certain number of minutes or a certain number of shots and that Kentucky was able to smooth things over with him rather quickly. But uh, that, that was that was definitely a talking point yesterday, just kind of as he was trying to come up with a final decision, weighing his options. Uh, he's been a fan of, of Kentucky as a blue blood program for a long time. He, he has the connections. Chin Coleman is a is a Chicago guy. That's where the connection kind of started from. And it's just kind of been brewing from then that like it's just been a very positive, growing, developing relationship between both sides that, uh, yeah, there was a a little quick pause and kind of both sides kind of took a step back and said, OK, let's make sure that we're on the same page here and 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 really get this thing done. And and credit to Kentucky for doing it and credit uh, to Antonio for for going with his gut. That's kind of where this was from the start. His gut initially told him to go to Kentucky. He kind of waffled just there for a minute, got cold feet just for a second and then. Uh, after talking things over with everybody involved, uh, ultimately decided again that Kentucky was the final option and, and decided here on this beautiful Wednesday. So uh, credit to Antonio and credit to uh, Kentucky for being able to finish finish the job on this one. Yeah, and I, and I do think this is a really good fit. I, I do. I, I think anytime you can go get a proven scorer who can get his own, and we know he is that guy, the thing that happened with Kentucky this year is when the three-point shot went away for Callan Grady and when it wasn't falling for Davion Mintz and those areas went south, those guys weren't able to go get their own. And I know we had injuries in the backcourt with, with Wheeler and Ty Ty, so those guys weren't at 100%. You need those guys that can, when the shot falls, when the shot's not falling, they can still impact the game in other areas. They can go get a bucket at the rim. They can go get one for, from eight, nine, ten feet. Those guys carry you in the NCAA tournament, those types of guards. Guards with jumpers that aren't falling and they can't do anything else, that leads to disaster. That's ultimately what got Kentucky in the tournament this year. So I think it's really good if John Calipari can load up on guards that can make others better and can also go get their own. And then the biggest thing with this roster now with what it stands or how it stands is you got a lot of guards that are used to playing with the ball in their hands. You've got a combo in Casey Wallace. You've got Wheeler, who's a ball-dominant guard. You've got Reeves, who likes to play with the ball in his hands. Frederick is the sharpshooter. Who else do they add? I think the biggest challenge will be meshing and getting these guys to maybe take on different roles at different times. How does Reeves do off the ball and not maybe being the play starter all the time? Like That'll be a challenge, but you have playmakers and you have guys that can put it in the basket. That's the key ingredient there. Yeah, I mean, you have guys – I know that Antonio Reeves proved that he can be a kind of a, a primary ball handler at times. He's more of a wing, kind of an off-ball guy, but but he he definitely thrived in ISO situations and, and kind of created for himself, which is definitely something that uh, Kentucky was missing at times this season. You have Xavier Wheeler back officially, which is – you know, I think it's kind of a, a polarizing topic with Kentucky fans, but I think, uh, as we talked about on the last show, getting him back – next to Oscar Sheboy, the two most important positions on the floor, Kentucky just needed complementary pieces around both of them. You have the the consistency out of the two most important players on the fl- pieces on the floor. And and for them to add, you know, start with, you, you have Kaysen Wallace, you have Chris Livingston, two guys are kind of mix and match, can play the two or three. Kaysen being a one through three, Chris being kind of a two through four type deal. So super versatile on those ends. And then to add a guy, you already have CJ Frederick coming off the bench as a, you know, kind of dynamic scoring piece, dynamic shooting piece. And then you add Antonio Reeves, who really kind of adds that uh, that that dynamic scoring element that I think that this this roster was desperately needing uh, going down the home stretch. And now you have rumors and 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 clear buzz about 
Kentucky adding guys like Baylor, uh, Shireman, and and I mean, there's there's a whole list of different dudes that the Chattanooga player just entered the portal today. Uh, but I do think that there's a lot of steam with Baylor, and and uh, I I think adding those two pieces would be the final two that Kentucky needs to close out this offseason. I think uh, Antonio was a guy that Kentucky liked from the start. They wanted to really seal the deal with him, and I think uh, now they can put all their eggs in this basket with Baylor and and say, you know what, you're a 47% shooter on a you know super super arguably the most efficient shooter in college basketball this past season. Put up good numbers, rebound really well. Kind of you know we can put you at a small ball four situation if need be, but really primarily on that wing, maybe even two at times, but really a, 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 that go two three that this team needed. Those two together again, we we talked about Shaden Sharp and the possibility of him leaving and how there wouldn't be that guy to replace just him in, in terms of one individual player. But to go add two players in Antonio Reeves, and then if they are able to add Baylor, I mean, I think those two together, I think, could give you that scoring punch and the shooting punch that Shaden was going to provide, uh, along with the other complementary pieces that this roster has added. It's not Shaden, and I, you, you still prefer Shaden, but this, is, this isn't a bad way, and it's, it's a, a very good way, actually, to kind of uh, come up with a contingency plan to really – uh, make make next year's team a, a title contender. I think if if they're able to add Baylor, I, I, I do think that uh, it's a roster capable of making a run to the Final Four. I, I do too. And when it comes to to Baylor, I love his tape. Like I watched a lot of his tape yesterday, and and to me, people are getting lost in his ability to hit deep threes. We know John Calipari is not going to let him stand out there and take 26, 27 footers. I don't I don't think so. At least even if he can hit those, maybe one here and there. But it's the way that he impacts the game in so many different areas. It's not just his points. He is an, an elite rebounder, over seven rebounds, almost rebound, rebounds per game for a wing guy, uh, four and a half to five assists a game. I mean, it's so many ways that he impacts the game. And then out of pick and roll, he's an excellent pick and roll player. He can drop a pocket pass behind his back. He can throw it to the rim and those lobs that Kentucky likes to do. Like He would be a perfect fit. If they round this thing out with him, then you have a team on paper that will contend for a national championship. You'll have a roster with guys coming back, the reigning national player of the year, a Koozie Award finalist at point guard, a sharpshooter in C.J. Frederick if he stays healthy that can really stretch you out offensively. They would have a roster, and then the edge of the loss to St. Peter's just fueling the fire the entire year is going to be a key thing for them too. Yeah, Baylor Shireman, uh, he's the, uh, the Athletics' number three available transfer in the portal right now. Shot 46.9% from three, 50% of his catch-and-shoot opportunities, according to Synergy. Like, that is, I mean, that's the perfect piece. Like, I mean, that is a piece that is capable of of being a game-changer on this roster. I mean, he's a, a, a perfect catch-and-shoot guy. It, you know, honestly... I think that would be the Kellen Grady replacement in terms of a shooting impact. And then if you have Antonio Reeves being a better version of, so here, let, let's break it down this way. So a fourth year Savier is going to be better than a third year Savier, but you know, another year in the system, getting used to it, that, that sort of thing. I, I think you can say it's going to be at least a slight uh, growth on that front. Case Wallace and Ty Ty Washington, they bring you different things, but I think in terms of a, a total Unit, I think they're both probably a wash, you know, in terms of of Kaysen's defense and and Ty Ty's offense. I think that's probably probably a wash. You know, Kellen Grady. I think if you're able to replace him with Baylor Shireman, I think 
if you get those two to be a wash together, I think that's a huge win. Maybe even Baylor Shireman being a, a little, little bit better than Kellen Grady. Uh, that'd be incredible. The four, the four options are still there from last season. If you know, depending on what Keon Brooks does this past year, but I, I'm anticipating a huge jump from, um, uh, from from Jacob Toppin. Then you have Chris Livingston to throw in there. Depending if you get if you can get Jacob Toppin and Chris Livingston to emulate the the, the production that you got out of um, a third year Keon Brooks and a second year in the system Jacob Toppin, I think that's a, a great sign for the Kentucky program. And then Oscar Sheway is Oscar Sheway. That's a wash from last season as well. And, and then you have scoring pieces. You got C.J. Frederick off the bench. You have other guys that you trust. Uh, to, to kind of make that that scoring impact that you, you have Antonio Reeves, kind of that Davion Mintz role, maybe. I, I, I think in, in terms of continuity from last season to this one, I think that the mo- much of the same kind of style of play is going to be back from last year's roster, but maybe even a net upgrade from the pieces that it had last year. I, I just think it's it, the way things have unfolded, given the circumstances with, you know, Oscar's kind of NIL situation, Shaden's draft eligibility, and, you know, kind of is he, it, it isn't he type deal. I think the way Cal, if he's able to add Baylor Shireman to close things, things out, I mean, it's about as, as good of a, situation that he could probably ask for at this at this moment in time yeah and when we're talking about kellen grady and davion mintz and i'm not gonna just throw them under the bus here but to me when those two guys weren't hitting shots they almost became unplayable especially late in the year i just feel like these pieces are still playable because they can affect the game in different categories it's it's assist it's rebounds they have they have great size uh, really good in pick and roll. Like if, if you get those two guys, you can overcome a cold spell of shooting because those guys can kind of get their own. They can set up for others. They're really good in pick and roll, three level scores. Like th- that is that's where the difference is to me. And it just makes to me it just makes your roster better and it makes them built for the tournament more. Because you look, you know, you have cold games in the NCAA tournament. Every team does. We watched Tennessee this year just be on fire for multiple games and they get up against Michigan, they can't hit shots. It it ultimately ended their season. You need guys that can survive cold spells. And it feels like John Calipari might be putting a roster together that can do that if that's how this plays out. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point. I think the Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady versus assuming Kentucky's able to land Baylor Shireman, it'd be Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz versus Baylor Shireman and Antonio Reeves. I, I do think that's a net positive and a net net upgrade. I love what both of those players did to the, for this program. But in like you said, in terms of versatility, I think Antonio Reeves is, is an upgrade over Davion. And then and, and Shireman, I, I mean, he's being discussed as one of the best the best shooters to ever easily the best shooter in college basketball right play, in college basketball right now. One of the best draft eligible shooters. Uh, right now, uh, you know, he's still weighing his his professional options as well. But you get that guy back and put him next to C.J. Frederick. I mean, that gives you I mean, that gives you uh, just unbelievable opportunities uh, for catch and shoot, you, you know, catch and shoot opportunities alongside Xavier Wheeler. That's what that team was missing down the stretch. Ty Ty wasn't making shots. He got hurt. Kellen Grady, you know, had the confidence issues. He got the plantar fasciitis, all of that stuff combined. I think when push comes to shove, those two players would be a net upgrade over what they had last year. And then all the other pieces are kind of sort of about the same, if not maybe a little bit better, uh, but a wash at the very least. So 
if you can upgrade those two super, super valuable, valuable positions, uh, I, I think Kentucky's in a, a phenomenal position moving forward. And they're already halfway there. They already got Antonio Reeves. It's a done deal. No more drama. It is what it is. Kentucky was able to seal the deal with one of the best, you know, best scoring guards in, in the portal right now. And uh, I think that's a huge win uh, on Cal's part. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I think that this roster now starting to take shape took forever for the dominoes to start falling, right? Like we waited weeks and weeks and weeks, and then you started getting NBA decisions and you started getting return decisions. And, and I just keep coming back to you're, you're going to have a roster that's returning the reigning national player of the year and a Koozie award finalist at point guard. How many rosters in college basketball year in, year out could return that type of production? I know Sauver Wheeler has his limits and I know there, there's things there that are frustrating with him, but when everybody was healthy and for 90% of the year, he was very, very good. I think John Calipari feels like 100% is there as long as everyone stays healthy, and that's why they're running it back. Like This roster will be one of the better ones in college basketball when it's all said and done and put together. But now the biggest question is, Jack, where do they go? Is it Shireman? Uh, I think there's still a need for a fifth guard. I think you have to have a fifth guard, especially the way this season played out. We saw that four was not enough, especially with injuries shooting slumps, things like that. You need options, and a fifth one would be a really good good start, and a place to start would be Shireman if they can get it to work out. Yeah, and I guess we should add that a Dutiro, the unranked guard out of the Northeast, is beginning his official visit to Kentucky today, um, which is still up in the air. I still have have failed to get any real answer about what his offer is, if it's a full ride, if it's a preferred walk-on, if it's just a, a roster spot. Uh, I mean, the kid can play. He was a you know high level scorer, uh, you know, up in the Northeast, and, and I, I I liked his tape. But you know, it was kind of one of those Dominique Hawkins situations where you know it, is it because of the area he's playing in, and and yeah, it, it, it's just frustrating. It, it, it's kind of one of those I go back and forth on it. Is is this a guy that is going to come in and he's comfortable being the tenth man for two three years, and and before kind of emerging like Dominique Hawkins did, or or, you know, what's his role going to be? What's his impact going to be? I was told that, you know, it was, you know, kind of out of a a favor type deal for Kentucky, you know, initially to get him uh, into the offer that scholarship initially. And then when the yeah, visit came around, recruitment. Right. yeah, it was it was an interesting recruitment. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, but that that's I'd love to have that piece, too. though. If if you could give me a guy to round this thing out that's maybe a tenth man for a couple of years, but then emerges into a rotation guy late in their career, I'd love that. Like to me, you can you can never have enough options, especially when it comes to upperclassmen as you advance throughout your program. Like if if they could take a couple of long term guys, like we view Lance Ware as a long term guy that could be at Kentucky four, possibly five years, depending on the COVID year. And and if that's the case, like you take it every single time. You need those pieces in your in your program that are developmental guys long term, and I, I think if you can get a guy like that and they're they're committed to it, then then why not? Yeah, uh, that that's kind of where where I stand. It's just it's been kind of difficult to read the tea leaves. I talked to a bunch of people up in that area, you know, media people, kind of scouting people, uh, you know, recruiting guys that that know way more than me about this stuff, and. And, and, you know, all of them just kind of every answer I get is just kind of like, man, I, I I thought that they were kind of parlaying this into uh, into getting, you know, local offers, getting better high major offers as like a, a favor to Calipari. Like this was a, a favor to his dad who played for Calipari back in the day. So uh, 
it, it was just kind of difficult reading the tea leaves and then him officially coming in on a visit and kind of exploring that process. And it's like, you got, that's always been our argument, right? Is, you know, you, if you have the scholarships, use them. If you have a guy that wants to come in, it's kind of a legacy recruit type kid. Of course you take that kid, but I, it's just been difficult to get a real answer on what his role would be, what is, what his offer status is for real. Uh, so I, I'm still color me just a little bit skeptical st- still about how this is all unfolding. I, I still heard as of like this past weekend that he may be parlaying this visit as kind of sparking more last minute uh, offers for, you know, high major schools that are really were kind of slow playing them initially. Maybe they think if Kentucky's coming in on them, they're going to want to, uh, you know, offer him and, and ramp up their interest in him as well. So I, I heard that even as, as of this past weekend, that that still might be the case, but Cal, why would Cal bring in a kid that he hadn't had no chance of coming in? That, that just doesn't make any sense on his end. So I don't know, you know, I, I, that's kind of a wait and see game, but I, I'm all about adding roster pieces is if you have the scholarships available and the kid can clearly play. Yeah. He, he's a talented player, a little under the radar guy. And, and two, it makes sense when you set up a visit to Kentucky or Kentucky reaches out, it, gets everyone else's attention as well. Duke's the same way. Carolina's the same way. Kansas, those programs, when they're on the short list, everybody else starts looking and thinking, okay, what are we missing out on here? Let's let's take a look at this kid, especially the local schools. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that's what it is. But, hey, setting up a visit, getting him on campus and going through that process kind of seems like a lot that maybe is a little bit more than just a favor. Yeah, that that's kind of where the tide shifted for me. It was like – all you hear about as soon as it ha- it happened was, and eh, this was a no big deal. He was stopping in to see an old friend. His son needed an offer, uh, you know, get some more interest to, for some high majors. The kid can play, but, it, you know, is he Kentucky quality? That still was up in the air back then. And uh, so I, I just kind of brushed it off, didn't even think twice about it. And then he sets up an official visit to Kentucky. It was like, oh, well, clearly there's a little bit more. Uh, more mutual interest than I gave him credit for to start with. Clearly, Cal, you know, at least wants him in in some form or fashion. And uh, we'll we'll find out here in the next day or two about what level of interest there really is, what the scholarship situation is, and all that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's very interesting to see how it, how it goes. But uh, there's there's a roster spot available. There's a scholarship available. I don't see why not. Yeah, I'm with you 100. percent Fill them. Have plenty of options there. You just never know. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it if that's how it plays out for sure. Well, Sean, that wraps up this edition of the show. We still have, you know, like like we started out the show saying I was in, EYB, in Indy for the EYBL this past weekend. You were down in Spartanburg to go see, you know, Reed play and some of the other Adidas kids that Kentucky is yeah. is going in on. So, Andre Stoyakovich, uh, right? Yeah, picks up yeah. an offer from the Cats late Saturday night. A, a very talented player. Yeah, that's a whole brand new uh, discussion. I, I saw him play. The kid is an absolute sniper from deep, and, and obviously the son of Peja Stoyakovich, who is an NBA, uh, you know, three-time All-Star, incredible uh, father, and kind of hit his impact on the game of basketball and all that. Uh, Kentucky offers him that Kentucky was all in this past weekend in Indianapolis, court to court to court, watching new names, old names, guys that that UK fans might be familiar with, might be unfamiliar with. 
but it, it's recruiting season, Sean. It's it, we're we're right in the thick of things. We're going to start seeing offers ramp up here for uh, the class. You know, rounding out the class of 2023 uh, here in June is when the contact period is able to start with uh, kids in the class of 2024. So uh, it's going to be a very you know basketball season might be officially over, but it's going to be a very hectic several weeks and several months leading up to uh, next season. So plenty to discuss here in the very near future. Yeah, for sure. And we'll, we'll hit on what all you saw in Indy and I'll I'll talk about what I saw in Spartanburg and 23 for sure. But there's also some very talented 24 guys that I know you and I both like that we'll, we'll talk about as well. Ian Jackson being one of those guys. So uh, we'll definitely get to, to all that stuff in coming episodes, but we'll, we'll see what happens next few days. It, It feels like that all this roster stuff is, Still going to carry us for the next bit because uh, there's still some official decisions. The portal deadline is May 1st. Uh, Kentucky obviously has some guys that are in the NBA draft right now testing the process. We know that deadline is June 1st, so this could carry out a while. Yep, and we'll be along for the ride for every part of it. So with that, let's wrap up this show. Uh, Sean, where can fans find your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we'll be back next time for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. Bye.